0: Plus BBC, Netflix, Amazon. Everyone's got dreams or they're young, right? The general public
1: probably don't realise that these cut- yeah, industries exist. The equipment and the scarcity of it. One day we did a very large um, sort of music gig, and I think it was 14 cameras in total in one
0: area. And you have to call Paris and France and, like, yeah. source certain lenses just to come over and you'd be used on one shoot and then go back in the nature of the industry stuff goes wrong all the time catastrophically wrong you get a phone call can you turn your drive around so we've just had to cancel the shoot Kitting fishing boats out with cameras and then hoping that they will stay functional <laughs> for the next 10 months
1: car caught fire with all the equipment in it
0: the production value of a lot of social media stuff mm. and stuff that is put onto those sorts of platforms has just like it's kind of budget it has a budget for it it's just gone massive.
1: The roster seems to be getting smaller and smaller but the work seems to be getting larger and larger. As long as you've got good passion and good work ethic, I think anyone could get
0: into the industry. If you want to be behind the camera, working on shoots and whatnot, I think kit room is just a definite solid way to go.
2: Hello and welcome to Terralon Talks, the podcast encouraging honest conversations with creative professionals. This show was created to demystify the creative process and give you a behind the scenes look at what it takes to succeed in the creative industry. We hope to help you open doors and provide insight into a career sector that has been notoriously challenging to navigate. Join us as we explore the world of creativity with some of the most talented and accomplished professionals in the industry. (laughs) I'm your host, Perry Perkins, and today we are joined by Corey Webb and Jack Pedley of FilmStore. FilmStore is a TV and film equipment rental house specializing in filming, crewing, logistics, and support. Corey is the operations director at film Store with over a decade of experience in the broadcast industry. Jack is the projects coordinator at film Store with a background in media technology and IT. He has built trusted relationships with many high profile clients such as warner brothers universal and the bbc together they have been responsible for successful projects such as the disney plus series save our squad the lawn running bbc favorite repair shop and the flagship project based bbc program interior design masters at tower lawn we've trusted Filmstore on a number of productions to date with their extensive experience and knowledge in the field corey and jack will be sharing their insights stories and some behind the scenes experience in the creative industry that you don't want to miss let's get started Let's go ahead and just kick it off with a quick introduction from the two of you.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, we'll go ahead and just uh, start with Jack. Yeah, I'm Jack, um, obviously from Film Store. Um, happy to be here and chat away.
1: <laughs> Perfect. Corey? Uh, yeah, Corey Webb, um, Operations Director at Film Store Rental. Um, yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, no problem. It's uh,
2: yeah the first episode of the season. Happy to have you guys on. Um, yeah, we've wanted kind of someone like you guys on for a while um it's on our list of guests for last year we kind of never really got around to it um so yeah good to see you guys at the Christmas party yeah that uh, <laughs> connection and get it rolling this year so um yeah I'm gonna go ahead and just jump in right away with uh you know how did you guys get to where you guys are today um tell our listeners a little bit about your journey and the why behind uh, the career path that you guys are both on yeah sure geographers
0: yeah I can go first so uh um yeah i'm fairly fresh into the industry about four or five years now um before i sort of did a lot of logistics and it and whatnot um and got sort of fed up where i was wanted always wanted to work in tv so i just moved to london um and got to it really just started applying around to a lot of facilities houses Uh, my sort of background in logistics and stuff i thought was a really good sort of starting foot onto sort of the media trail um sort of shifting cameras around and whatnot that's sort of what we do so yes yeah, it, it was a it was a tough few 6 months first in london sort of trying to get attention of someone without any prior experience um so i did a course at met film uh, which was awesome really opened my eyes to sort of what was out there and what people do and yeah sort of where to go and look for jobs so yeah it was
2: Okay. Where did that, uh, where did that early passion for TV and film come from? You said you like always wanted to be in it.
0: Yeah. So that, I think just started as a kid, like everyone's got dreams when they're young. Right. So, um, always wanted to be sort of a director or sort of in front of the camera, sort of like that. And then, uh, studied it at a college, um, was a classic 17, 18 year old and bummed around and didn't really do much with it afterwards. Um, just started work straight away so i never went to university i don't have that sort of like academic background of media so took me a while then to realize actually you gotta you gotta go for it (laughs) yeah yeah just exactly bite the bullet and get it done if you want to do it so yeah and then you're not from london then so i'm from wiltshire uh sort of west west england yeah okay
2: and obviously it's moved to london because the film industry so yeah, heavily prevalent here. Yeah, yeah. So
0: based. Swindon uh, is not very, uh, <laughs> media-esque. It's all very much manufacturing industry there. So there was not really a prospect there. So it was, yeah, get to London or get to Bristol. There's pretty much only really options in my eyes here. Okay.
2: Yeah, I don't actually know much about Bristol <laughs> area, but I've heard it come up quite a bit. So it must be a budding filming area, I guess,
1: but. Yeah, it's big for natural history over there. Okay. That's usually the reason we we've actually got a Bristol office as well. Okay. Um, specifically for that reason. Um to get into BBC natural history and other areas. Um out of that. That's, That's really cool. Nice. Well, how about you, Coy? Uh not too dissimilar. Um at college I studied um, film and media studies, did lots of home videos and projects around that. Um I actually wanted to be a cameraman um and go down that sort of avenue. Um from speaking to my lecturers at college and university and things, they are always advising to speak to cameramen, like maybe become an apprentice as a cameraman, camera assistant under a cameraman, and go and work with them independently. Um, so I started doing that, and then I did some camera assistant work for Natural um, National Film and Television School um, in Beaconsfield, and did some work with them. And they suggested that getting into a hire company, camera hire company would be a good way to get hands-on with the equipment and to expand your network. Um, So I applied for a few in London, um, moved to London and ended up starting working at a West London hire company. Um, I was there for a while and then I saw the older generation, the people who had gone freelance and I decided that that wasn't the lifestyle for me. Um, It's quite, it can be quite sporadic. Um, I think when you're young it's, very exciting very good to be out there personally i'm not that kind of person <laughs> i like a nine to five i like i like the structure of it um to be freelance you have to be very committed to the work and know that you could be working solidly for six months and then have six months off I mean you can earn so much during that time that it's obviously a very worthwhile like salary to live on um but yeah for me i wanted something more bread and butter um, so I sort of stuck in camera hire, um, which was amazing. So I managed to sort of progress my career to warehouse manager and then to the office. And then going from there, I worked as similar to Jack, um, facilities coordinator, and then just built my way up really from there.
2: Okay. Yeah, let's let's expand on that, that route a little bit because I hear it, I mean, not like a lot, a lot, but it's come up quite a few times before that people are suggested to go to a yeah like a warehouse and start there and then build your way up get your hands on with the kit and then kind of go out and decide what you want to do from there mm. um so yeah like what i guess why did you choose a rental house and within that like what kind of role does a rental house play
1: within the creative industry i think um a lot of people a lot, the general public probably don't realize that these yeah, industries exist um to a general viewer on Netflix or something like that, you probably assume that Netflix or BBC own their equipment, but they actually rent it or lease it short-term um, from companies like ourselves. Um, and why is that? Because of investment, and generally the technology moves on so quickly, it's not very economically viable for big companies to purchase one camera, and then six months later a new one comes out that they have to sell and re- repurchase. So by renting it short-term, they're... They don't have those overheads, um, and they can manage the spend on that kind of thing. Um, so that's where we come in, and um, we we can hire out our equipment to different gen, different levels of client. So the newest equipment will go to like Netflix, BBC, that kind of thing, and then we get all the way down to like student films who are happy to use other equipment. Now that makes makes a lot of sense. Why is a rental house such an essential
2: part? of the creative process. I think it's more of an essential part for even the bigger companies, like you said, but all the way down to student films, like we've used you guys, um, quite a few times for projects. Mm. Um, it just, yeah, you can expand I mean, for us, it's basically getting our hands on equipment that we wouldn't normally be able to afford to pay for. Some cameras cost, you know, 60 to a hundred thousand pounds to buy outright, which would never be cost effective for a small production company like us to just outright buy, we
0: wouldn't get enough use out of it exactly um do so you have to want to expand on that at all yeah um i think that's a benefit of obviously having us around for a lot of people is getting hands-on with stuff they wouldn't normally get to use and then obviously as well having the ability to come and test and see the different kit we have and how that affects your creative process as to whether this is what the client wants normally we do it like this but now we have all these other options in front of us I think that's a a big thing why people then turn to rental houses rather than sort of just sitting with their own kit and thinking how we how can we do it with this actually it's expanding that and saying sky's the limit if we if we can get the kit so I think yes yeah, we can play a hands-on part in that as well when we do sort of test dates for people and sort of show them what's there and what's around sort of you spoke about you want to do this sort of thing or here's different kit to be able to do that, different lenses and things like that. Right, all right. that's really cool. Um, and I guess at what what production level
2: do you start to see creatives utilizing a rental house? Um, or oh, yeah, like
1: I mentioned, like every level really. Um, it depends on the content that they're creating. Um, yeah, we have uh, like big TV production companies all the way down to like student film. Um, a lot of people getting in touch. Um, recently we did a... Um, a commercial for a sports brand and the um, director wanted to shoot it all on iphones so we had to provide iphone pro 14s um, for this shoot with loads of lighting and the like all the cabling stuff to be able to monitor it in a gallery so although it was quite relatively low budget but it was going for social media content that's going to be seen everywhere so it, it may seem small scale but it's always to a bigger audience, um, right? So, yeah, it's all, it's all very interesting.
2: So, I guess when, uh, for anyone thinking of the question, when would it make sense to, like, take a budget, go to somewhere like you guys, and kind of, like, get
1: yourselves out? And when would it not? When would it not? I don't think it wouldn't. I think uh, I think there's always the conversations that you had. I think by reaching out to rental companies, you're able to have discussions with people who know what they're talking about and even come in and have a look at the equipment like we don't turn anyone away if they want to come in and have a look and start playing with equipment because we want we want more people out there to be able to get hands-on with it and learn because the more people that can learn and use the equipment the more freelancers that there will be in the world Um, we've yeah the roster seems to be getting smaller and smaller but the work seems to be getting larger and larger so the more people in the industry the better
2: Nice. No, that's that's a great answer. (laughs) At Film Store, I know you guys aren't just a rental house, you guys also provide loads of other services, um, crewing, consultation, engineering, training, logistics, that's all from your website. Mm -hmm. Um, How does that play into the opportunities for individuals who are either just starting their careers or are looking to further their careers in the film industry?
0: I think, yeah, starting your career in the film industry, obviously, like I have i I went sort of straight into an office, but I think the, the benefit of working with a rental house is that just the scope of all the stuff. As we say, we work on TV production companies, we work on commercials, we work on student films, stuff in theatres. I think, and as a camera assistant, if we can send you out on those jobs, you sort of like you get to know your niche. You can you can see what's out there. So many different parts of the industry, and as a rental house, you sort of get to see them all, which is. The fun at my job as well as you sort of shuffling tv shows and a commercial and stuff it's all everything's different every job's bespoke and i think it gives you a really good insight as to what you want to do moving forward then into the media industry okay yeah definitely i think by going on to these sort of shoots even if you go
1: on as a camera assistant you may find that maybe the grip sort of section is more, more more you or maybe you prefer sound or maybe you realize that you prefer working as a production coordinator or through production at the production company, um, if you're not exposed to all these different areas, you're never going to know. So I think it's worth it's worth going for it, trying it for maybe a year or so. If you don't like it or find something that you do want to follow, I think that's that's always good. I, I wouldn't have found my career if I hadn't have tried it, tried to do something. Right. so it's quite hands-on.
2: Yeah. So what kind of like if you start from like the beginning and work your way through? What kind of like career progression can like what kind of career progression like options are there if you like start from the very beginning at a, a rental house like you guys? What would be like the first role that you get, and,
1: and then, then and then where could you go from there? Yeah, so traditionally we sort of hired runner drivers, um, sort of come in the delivery equipment and meet the clients face to face, um, and then the next level is sort of um, a kit room technician, which is someone who uh checks in and prepares equipment for the clients. It's much more. Um, hands-on and it's more engineering isn't it
0: yeah it's where it's, you really i think that's the point where you really learn the kit inside out it's like yeah. there's i know a lot of people that have been on shoots and done camera assisting and whatnot I, the guys in the kit room know stuff just because because you have to do it day in day out it's mm. You're learning problem solving um yeah they- by, by building
1: the equipment for when it goes out on shoots you you have to problem solve any issues that may occur on the day um and the more you do that the more you learn um and then sort of after two or three years um those guys sort of go out on set as camera assistants um, either through us or independently and then eventually they decide to go freelance normally as um sort of camera assistant so every Every year we sort of have a generation that sort of graduate from our warehouse and go out into the world and um, we've had two uh, three people who have left in the last six eight months and they're all being very successful camera assistants at the moment progressing to operators they want to be dops or camera operators going forward um and yeah their careers are all doing really well because of the foundation they had um, through, through through working in the kit room and the people they've met there
2: cool sounds like a pretty uh a good place to start looking to get behind the camera yeah um to follow on with that what kind of like education do you need or do you need edge specific type of education to get started in a rental house
0: i think i have an odd sort of start into it where i didn't really have any qualifications um i think that is the the joy of a kit house that if you can show that you're willing and at the end of the day, it's hard work. It's it's a lot of graft comes in with Kit Room, and if you're if you can show you, you can do it, and you're interested in doing it, I think some somebody at some point is going to take a chance, and I think Kit Room is most likely the place to take a chance on someone and sort of put them in down on the Kit Room and say, look, this is what we do. This is how much you can learn in this space of time, and uh, yeah, I wouldn't say there's a necessity for a qualification, but Obviously, qualifications are a benefit. Um, but yeah, obviously, I don't do the hiring, so I don't know what these guys <laughs> look for. Um, no, I agree. I think um, yeah, as long as you've got good passion and good work
1: ethic, I think anyone could get into the industry. Um, I think like going to film school or anything like that is a benefit and it gives you a better um, idea of the theory behind the creative process. But I think unless you're using the kit day to day, you may not know it back to front um, as well as you could um, I think yeah it's just a hands-on approach because it is a, a trade job um, being a cameraman I think there's a creative element if you go to the DOP level but I think to work to that stage I think there can be a lot of hard work and long hours before that um, in, in our experience anyway.
2: Gotcha um, yeah, so like kind of a reoccurring uh, question theme A lot of our episodes, like I know a lot of listeners, um, especially at the younger stage, um, I guess are always faced with the question of like, do I go get specific film school education? Do I just jump into the career field and try and slog my way from the bottom all the way up? Um, do you guys have an opinion on or any, uh, I don't know, advice about which, uh, direction
1: you would go? Um, if, if it were me I, I would go back to the kit room again and start, start from there. Um, in my experience I've seen people who go through film school and then apply for a kit room job so that may, I mean they, they've obviously learned a lot over the time that they've been at film school but at the end of the day they're starting the same level as someone who may have been 16 coming out of school um, so there's 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 benefits, there's yeah pros and cons to either situation but I think yeah, working in a kit room, getting hands on with the kit and building your network of uh, peers through in a safe environment like a kit room. I think that's a good, a good way of doing it.
0: Yeah, it's, as I say, it's kind of hard for me to say, well, I didn't go to university. I never really didn't get much of that higher education level. So it, I think it's about that, yeah, sort of just putting yourself out there. Getting Obviously, you need to be given a chance, but I think it's a great place to learn. I've learned. Over the last four years, so much that well, I yeah learned how to do my job, learned how the whole industry works, um, and that's just from doing it rather than paying to be told right. how to do that and about those things. Um, said so to me, I think don't go to university, but obviously- <laughs> <laughs> I was like,
2: just stress that like both options are very <laughs> <wonderful> <laughs> and are very unique to every situation, but. I just know for a long time, the narrative has always been like, are you go to school, get your degree? And then like, then you could get the job, but like equally in a very hands-on career, like the creative industry and all sorts of different jobs, not even just film, um, sometimes if you know exactly what you want to do, going to school isn't the best option and you could get that experience three, four years earlier and have that much more experience than someone coming out of school and when it comes down to it, your experience is what matters and can you do the job? Mm -hmm. Um yeah, you have to weigh up both options and kind of decide which one's the best route for you. Um, but I know people like to hear how everyone else did it and what their kind of stories were. So cool. yeah, thanks for sharing that. You get mentioned um, learning on the job in the industry, how essential is in-house training at Filmstore um, and learning on the job within the industry as a whole.
1: For, for our business, it's essential. Um, the guys that we do hire in are often quite uh, green um, and a lot of it is in-house training. Um, we have an in-house technician um, and engineer um, and we sort of do tutorials every, every month or so to sort of keep the guys up to speed with new equipment and how how best to do things most efficiently um, that's just part of our training process in-house um, but obviously they then get uh, to a level where they start going out on jobs and they are working with DOPs and camera people um, on, on the shoots and that's where they seem to pick up most of most of the knowledge that they get, how to light a situation, how to rig certain things, what situations need what sort of technologies. Um, these are all things that we can't teach them in the kit and It has to be taught in the field um, because it's very situational and obviously depends on everything that's going on there. I think that helps uh, sort of broaden their horizons. And, and It's different when you do stuff in theory and then when they get set, they see why, why they're doing it like that. I think that really helps um, with the, the progression going forward.
2: Cool. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm. Um, the entire film industry, most creative industries, just on-the-job training is so essential. There's only so much. Cause a lot of what we learn is theory, right? Mm. So if you go to school, you're learning the theory. You're not learning a lot of the practical application. You can't get that until you're physically on the job because there's just so many moving pieces. You can never replicate it in a... Like a classroom environment. Exactly. Um, there's obviously, like, YouTube is great. All these online courses are great. Again, if you're not out like shooting the content or like manipulating the content, um, handling the equipment, doing any of that kind of thing, mm. you won't physically learn how to do it. You're just in your brain. Maybe you kind of think you know how to do it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think on the job training is super essential. So let's, uh, switch gears to more of just your guys' careers what you guys have done at film store what comes to mind if i ask you about your favorite project you've ever worked on it could be film store related it could be anything from the
0: past oh my god <laughs> i don't know about
1: favorite
0: <laughs> we got a lot last year. We did the uh david beckham one as you say our scores that you mentioned okay I definitely say that was something i'm proud of working on yeah um it was a lot of hard work yeah it was it's the entire football season um every week sort of filming the kids play football. So that was something that's like a long a long slog but rewarding at the same time. Yeah, definitely. To
1: see to see the team develop over the year is really impressive. Um the equipment there was also quite well, it was very high end equipment, so that was quite demanding. Um and yeah to to have that sort of long form to be shooting over a year for a final project it's quite that's probably the longest product we've
0: had to do. Yeah, that's quite long. Yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah that yeah as you said watching our our guys and our camera assistants go out on that and sort of take it under their wing as well and it almost got to the point where my job was became super easy by the end of it because it was kind of like there's another match day going guys and then that was they just knew what they were doing i think they became a really integral part of the crew because they were there every week day in day out we had our crew there and it's yeah it was it was good fun yeah they were juggling it around and so are you guys on
2: set frequently? Do you like physically go on and manage these projects or are you kind of from
0: london and paste? Yeah. Put the teams I, together and send them out, that kind of thing? I do most of my coordinating, yeah, from the desk. Okay. Um, and it's our guys that sort of take the kit there and get their hands dirty on set. So.
1: I like to visit set every now and then. Um, I like to see how the equipment's being used and how the guy's getting on. Um, but yeah, it's something I really want to do more. Biggest project you've worked on, is that the same? Biggest project. That was one of the biggest, but I think largest physically, we did a, uh, one one day we did a very large um, sort of music gig and I think it was 14 cameras in total in one area. Um, The prep for that was quite intense just because everything had to be matching. So a lot of hire companies own a lot of stock, but they don't necessarily own 15 of the same things. So we often have to ask each other to hire to sub-hire from each other so we get everything in the building at the same time Um so in order to do that it takes a lot of a lot of, lot of gears going on to make everything work to make everything work on the same day Um so that's often so our largest products are often our shortest Um so that was only a one-day job I think but it, the wheels were turning for that for weeks to try and get everything lined up um, and yeah just get everything in the warehouse it's quite impressive it sounds like a logistical nightmare to be
0: honest it can <laughs> well, that's one thing I think a lot of people don't realise about the industry as well as the equipment and the scarcity of it where you can have someone say I want 15 of these want it match you want these lenses and you can ring every other facility house in the UK and they're like we don't either have it or it's on another job or you've already got it and you have to Call paris and france and like we source certain lenses just to come over and you'd be used on one shoot and then go back like there's certain lenses there's only three sets in the country or whatnot and you sort of have to move people's expectations on what dates they can shoot on if they really really want to use those lenses and things like that i think a lot of people don't know that they just think oh make the call and get the kit but yeah, a lot of relationships and
1: like going to trade shows and making deals and meeting other people is a whole industry in itself um and we all try and help each other out where we can
2: yeah let's let's talk about that actually how important is just like networking and like creating those relationships um because without them yeah you can't get what you want and you can't get it done so
1: yeah very important um we've had contacts with suppliers for over 10 years now um sort of always building on that um I mean, I've worked at a few other facilities houses, as is Jack. Um, we've still got friends who work in other companies as well. Um, we often pull favours with each other, and try and make it work, because at the end of the day, we all work for the same industry. So we want them, to, we want our clients to be happy, and it's all in our best interest to make that still work. Um, so yeah, so we, we have contacts in Paris, we have contacts in America, um, other manufacturers as well. Um, a lot of manufacturers are able to send us demo equipment so we get to try it out first as well um so yeah it's, it's all its own ecosystem um, before it even gets to the client which is uh always really good really interesting yeah i think just to stress i don't
2: think people realize just how important pre-production is mm. on yeah. a project because people only ever see one the finished product and then maybe they get a little bit of, like the behind the scenes look into like what a set looks like and like, wow, that's a lot of equipment. Yeah. But equally like, okay, it can take months to coordinate getting all that stuff put together to even have that single day on set. So yeah, I think that part of the industry is pretty fascinating when mm. it, it's a part of it, unless you're in it, what really knows about. So yeah, I'm trying to open up a few of those doors there. Yeah. How about, uh, can you tell me anything
1: about anything that's gone terribly wrong for you guys? In the nature of the industry, stuff goes wrong all the time. Um something breaks on set or something happens I think one of the major ones that caused me a massive headache was um, we were doing a uh, international current affairs documentary um, they were taking kits every other week to go abroad um, it's a carne so uh, that's when you have to submit the serial numbers to customs um, so that they can't be sold within the country um, there's a lot of documentation to do with all that but anyway um The client was using the kit for about a week everything was fine and they rang me on one saturday morning just said the camera won't turn on it became a massive thing i was going through my head speaking to other technicians i couldn't figure out what it could be either way i needed the camera there same day so i rang around other people in the area rang around other suppliers and they happened to know someone who was up the road who had a similar camera and i managed to work out a deal for them to get the camera to our client on the same day and that was in Baghdad. So it's very difficult to work around translation and try and get a deal done for that to happen. I think the, cam- the cameraman received a replacement camera within about four hours um, and a lot of phone calls uh, later. Um, so that was probably the hardest situation I've been in and probably one of my most proud that I managed to get it all done um, for the client to continue their, their shoot because it's not like they could be replicated because it was a current affairs show.
2: right? Wow. Managing logistics in Baghdad for me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how
0: about you, Jack? Um, I think the only thing really is this got things going catastrophically wrong, especially in the last year or so is COVID. Um, a lot. Big one. Of, yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things as well where people are sort of testing it, so they get on set and we sort of deliver a huge kit. And then you get a phone call can you turn your drive around? Because we've just had to cancel the shoot. Um, I think they're the more catastrophic things that sometimes happens we, we've delivered kit um, to up north somewhere and suddenly a contributor pulls out last minute I think it's normally human based <laughs> the catastrophes weather gets in the way all the time um, kit in the desert gets full of sand but yeah I think there is normally always fixable uh, apart from Obviously COVID and stuff, you just it's gotta be rebooked. Um but yeah, I, I oh touch wood I've never <laughs> but, but, but it's uh, a huge totally wrong,
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to preface, I think anything technically challenging can be fixed. Yeah. With, yeah. In some way or another. Mm. Um
0: that's just the nature of the work, I think. Yeah. Um well, as you were saying about how important pre production is there's so many moving parts that You'd be working on a bespoke kit for weeks and weeks with the DOP. You get nailed down and then one person gets one figure wrong in a postcode for the delivery or something like that. It's, you know, all these tiny details can, can make a big effect further down the line, but just this, yeah, as you said, it's the nature of the industry that there's so many moving parts and so many different people involved that, yeah something's bound to not match up at some point <laughs> there's always a bump in the road somewhere
2: yeah but i guess that's just the job to smooth it out yeah um yeah on the COVID note i guess um statistically there's way more money in the industry now than there was pre-covid have you guys seen that affect your business at all
1: does it seem more busy or that there's like bigger projects uh historically there's always sort of been a seasonality to the industry um before COVID and before all of that. um, Most shoots seem to occur between like February and May, then it sort of goes down during school holidays potentially, and then it sort of comes back up again like from September to before Christmas, and then it sort of slows down again over Christmas. Um, Then obviously we had COVID lockdown, and then after that, a lot of production seems to just go into high gear very soon after. I think for 2021 until middle of last year, it was incredibly busy all the time it's just non-stop it was non-stop um so business for us has been great and i think it's been a big boost to the industry um but it does seem to be going back to the original sort of seasonal waves um so yeah christmas was quiet as we expected and then this coming month's going to be picking up again soon so sure. yeah so yeah there was a big bulk of work but i think it was just people trying to catch up over covid so we may see a game right. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I read somewhere, don't call
2: me on it, but it was compared to 2019, the pre-COVID year, and then obviously we had COVID 2020, mm-hmm. and then in 2021, said there was over four times as much money mm-hmm. pumped into the film industry as it was in 2019, and I, some of that obviously had to be making up for 2020, Yeah, equally like four times as much It's a huge jump, Yeah, but I think realise that people were just consuming that much more content yeah. yeah and like the COVID lockdowns really propelled
0: that forward um but yes one, great for one thing i've noticed over the last few years is the the production value of a lot of social media stuff mm. and stuff that is put onto those sorts of platforms has just, just like kind of budget videos. the budget for it it's just gone massive um whereas yeah four years ago they they were all the real low budget stuff and sometimes they're stuff being used on TikTok is some of our sort of high highest production value kit being sent out and whatnot so it's, mm. it's definitely changed over the last year since mm. covid. yeah I see
2: there's also there's so many um YouTube TV shows these days too yeah like so much like kids content being made on like a high production level um, animators filming all of that stuff i don't think any of that stuff really existed you know four or five years ago yeah and it's yeah it's just taken off like crazy in the last couple of years um your website says you'll go to the ends of the earth to make sure that film store shoots go as smoothly as possible how far have you had to go
0: take it literally or figuratively <laughs> <laughs> uh the furthest from film still the moon <laughs> not yet not yet not yet, not yet i'm trying to think the furthest place we've sent kit this year is california count yeah i guess so well uh, yeah i think that's pretty far it's about 18 hour five. yeah i think am trying to think of his i think of a carnage of them i think actually probably the ends of the earth ones would probably be more like trawlers and stuff What we've done it. that's a good shout Kitting kitting boats fishing boats out with cameras and then hoping that they all stay functional <laughs> for the next ten months. Like that's that's a tough one. Um, and that's something that Bristol office sort of really good at. That sort of we're sending kit into middle of nowhere. There's no ch- there's nowhere to charge it, sort of stuff. All of that sort of natural history, I think that's really sometimes that can be hard to mitigate issues on. Um, yeah, no, I I
2: definitely read that you guys I don't know if you specialize in it specifically, but you do a lot of work in like harsh, extreme environments, um, remote stuff like that. Uh, can you elaborate on that a little bit?
1: Yeah, so historically we've done a lot of bear grills work, um, a lot of action, sort of adventure, um, filming. Um, the one Jack was talking about then is BBC Trawlerman, Um, so that was a really good production. Um, but yeah, that was a boatload of kit, literally. Um going out to various locations in Britain and then going out to sea for a week at a time. Um that was I mean, it was a very fun product to work on, but obviously sea water is bad for equipment. Um so the turnaround of having all that technology coming back and cleaning it all and making sure it's all perfect again is quite quite hard.
2: How much does it differ from a big set. I think people think of a big production they're like, Oh, you're like a giant studio, you can just plug everything into the outlets, you've got these big lights. Um, obviously you can't do that on a remote set. Filming in like Antarctica or out in the sea, like you don't have outlets, you yeah. don't have giant lights that you can just plug in, everything's gotta be battery powered, everything's gotta be wireless and equally everything's gotta be weatherproof. Yep. Um,
1: so yeah, what kind of challenges do you face there? Um we have about a shoot go out this week actually that uh required polar jackets so these are insulated like rain jackets um for the cameras um yeah we've outsourced those buy them in we get whatever we need to make sure the equipment's protected um yeah um yeah wet weather stuff all that sort of stuff we these are all third party accessories that you have to have in order to to get the job done sort of thing to protect the technology and make sure the shoot can maintain working um these are other things that we're experienced in but other people might not think about um it's all about yeah, like I said protecting the gear and making sure everything works
2: and have you ever had any of that not work out as like a bear eating a camera
1: or like a camera into the sea or... <laughs> we've we've missed we've been we've lost a lot of gopros but, uh... <laughs> um yeah gopros overboard um had yeah, a cameraman drop a camera off a cliff once um we supplied some equipment for um Euros Euros football um a few years few years ago and a car caught fire with all the equipment in it. So we've actually got a burnt Amira. Um that <laughs> so that had to be replaced. Um so that was an interesting one. So that was replaced in Paris um within a, couple, a day or two, I think. We managed to get on Eurostar and replace everything. Um but yeah that was that was a that was an interesting phone call. Wow. So uh, a day in the life for you guys yeah, can be quite different
2: from day to day.
1: Every day is different. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: That's crazy.
2: <laughs> um, yeah. Feel free to name drop. Highest profile high
1: clients you've ever worked with. If you're allowed to talk about it. Um, I have Disney+, Plus, BBC, Netflix, Amazon, yeah. all the big players, really. Um, the-
0: yeah, it's hard to say because everyone's sort of a big dog in their own area as well. Yeah. And that's the benefit of being able to work with the people we work with who work with sort of Sony Music on music events and then Netflix shows and whatnot. And you could say they're all sort of big dogs of what they do. So, yeah, I wouldn't say there's anyone you could say is the highest profile. I haven't worked on Star Wars yet, but <laughs> that's... Is the dream? That's <laughs> the dream. So, like, want some, yeah, LucasArts and whatnot, that would be that be a good one. But yeah, I think everything we do is we try and make to the highest standard as they can do. So we'd hope that everyone's at the top of their game if we're supplying them the right stuff. Yeah.
2: Oh, that's cool. Any uh particular like clients, companies that are like really nice to work with.
1: We like all our local areas. Um you guys feel terrible
0: are great to work with.
1: Man. Take that Disney. uh we always find work with uh, local companies as well. There's a company in Turing, there's a studio, in, like Mitcham. like, we like to try and keep things. Yeah, we like, we like our personal relationships in the local area as well. Um, little studios and things like that we like to work with. But, I mean, yeah, we're proud to work with anybody.
0: Yeah, I think that's one thing about Rental House as well, is it comes back to relationships and keeping it sort of family based and not pushing other clients aside for bigger, higher clients or whatever. It's just, it's building a trust between the two of you. So it is sort of like a family. You're calling a friend to help you out on a shoot rather than. A business transaction. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. How much, how much of your work
2: then comes from, I guess, like local companies, like you just said, and then how much comes from the big studios? Um, obviously the big studios are going to have the bigger budgets, the bigger projects, um. But, like you said, it's really important to maintain those local relationships
1: as well. About 30 40% is um, south south of the river. Um, and then, yeah, we seem to expand to anywhere really. Um, again, it's just sort of boosting our network of freelancers that we work with. Um, if we help out a cameraman in one day, then they return the favor. Um, like, we, it, they, we sometimes invite freelancers in to teach some of our warehouse staff as well. So it's just another way to, for them to grow their knowledge, knowledge base, and further their own careers. Um, it's all it's all useful, in, like networking. Cool. Um, yes.
2: Yeah, so towards the end, uh, do you have any advice, insight, recommendations, anything like that for anyone looking to get started in the film industry
0: or looking to pursue a similar path as your courses? Um, yeah, I would say if you want to be behind the camera, working on shoots and whatnot, I think kit room is just definite, solid way to go. Just get your hands on that kit, get using it, and uh, yeah, you can you can go freelance from there. And there's so many different routes to go down. As Corey said earlier, the sound, grip, lighting, so many specialties you can learn from being on the floor in the kit room.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think a um, few few people in my career have joined as a join the kit room and then suddenly find their own niche. Um, a few of them going into in steady cam or drone operating. There's different areas to it. Um, I think without trying them, not really sure what you, what you want to do.
2: Cool. Um, yeah. So if you guys want to just plug where uh, <laughs> where people can find and some more information on Film Store, um, go ahead and give people. You know, where
1: they can find your work, if you guys have anything you want to share.
2: Anything like that.
1: Of course, we're a Film Store Rental. We're based in Ellsfield at the moment. Um, we're potentially moving further out, but we're looking to expand. Um, our main email address is info at filmstorerental.com. Um, if they get in touch on there, and mention either myself or Jack, we will see those emails and we'll respond as soon as we can.
2: So that brings us to the end of this episode of Tail On Talks. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with our guests today. As always, we want to thank you for tuning in and being a part of our community as we continue to grow our audience and bring you more exciting guests from the creative industry. If you have any topics or guests you would like us to cover or would have any interest in being a guest yourself, please reach out to us via Instagram at Terralon Media or visit our website at And of course, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Your support helps us reach more listeners and bring even more valuable content to our audience. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you again on the next episode. <laughs> Oh, <laughs>